This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Richies So many Every little dudes All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Couldn't Help Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to to us. us. Hi. Hi, James. Hi. How are you? Doing great. Uh, Big, fun podcast announcement. We are in our new Forever Dog studio. This is the first episode we have recorded here. And for those of you listening, you know, this isn't exactly a visual medium. So that means zero to you guys. But we're thrilled. We are in a really fun space. We used to record downtown in a building that was literally 4,000 years old, and now we're like in a fun, cool, like bungalow house in uh, Echo Park, and it just feels very like chic and cozy and fun. So yay us. I'm into it. Rose and I live very close to here, so it's just like, yeah. Hop, we're just, skip, and a J. It's a hop, skip, and a J, and yeah, just feeling feeling good about it. How are you? Who are you this week? Who were you this week? Well, it's not really the game of what we do. Oh, but I was Larry David this week. Okay, Rose, that's a different show. I know, but I honestly, okay, well, who was I? Who's from? the most Larry David of who our is, of? You know what? You don't carry. I would say. Okay, honestly, I'll even let you extend it to other characters on the show. If you were a Stanford, I if think you it's were a Carrie, a, even though she's never done anything like this. But Carrie's a she's little, a little neurotic. Oh, very. Yeah. Okay, Carrie's like a wackadoo who can be really reactive. Mm-hmm. So I um don't want to go too far into it, but. I have a very stressful job right now. I'm on a very stressful show, and it's also in a very stressful neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I sort of had a meltdown at work, uh, and I just, I just um, didn't handle it well. So that night, I came home and just sent an email to my bosses and just said, I am no longer coming into the office. I am only working from home. I will be working from home tomorrow, which was like hilarious because it was like very baller and confident. And then the next day I worked from home and got a lot done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I'm going to get fired. Like you can't just not show up as a writer on a show. Um, And you, the reason was because you were like, this is in this 
this office is in a neighborhood I don't feel safe in. Mm, yes. But that wasn't the whole, I know, I know no. part of this story. Yeah, I that was, to Jamie and I that, close, was, so she that was part of it. But then the other part was just that just you was were, like, I'm going to take my like mental health in my own hands. This is a toxic environment. And then I was like, oh yeah, bills and like, oh yeah, life and money. And I just had this realization where I was like, yeah, I can't afford to just not work and it pays well. And I'm and it's consistent work. Yeah. And this is a stressful industry. And like, I'm an expensive person. And I just had this realization that was sort of like, I said, I say that I'm like a Carrie or like a Larry David, because in real life, he worked at SNL and just quit. And then mm-hmm. the next day just came back and like, didn't even say anything, like mm-hmm. pretended that he didn't like literally quit. The day I before. also heard a story like that. I think Mindy Kaling did something similar people in, do it. when she worked on the office. I think she wrote about it in her book where she was like, I'm fucking out of here. And then everyone's like, you can't just leave like of course. that. Like you're under contract. Of you course. don't have the freedom to just bail. Yeah. And I'm not being super hard on myself because the thing is the job is the environment is so stressful that nobody was mad at me. Like I talked. Yeah, to wait. Him. So what happened? Okay. So you, you wrote, sent the email. We fired off the email. Take me through this because I actually haven't heard the resolution here. Yeah. So I I didn't say I was quitting. I was just like, I hate being there. And yes, it's in a horrible neighborhood. And I walk through like groups of drunk, drug addict, partying, homeless guys every day. So it doesn't feel safe morning or night. But it was a combination of that and just the vibe. And um, I wrote an email where I was like, everything I do, I could do from a coffee shop and home, which is like technically true it's true for so many jobs i know but it doesn't matter not to diminish but my aunt just went through this with her job which is nothing like our job she works in sales but her office relocated to like 45 minutes away from her house and it used to be 10 minutes and she was like i don't need to to go there i'm just sitting alone in front of a computer all day just let me have my autonomy i'll do the work i'll do it better for you and they were just like, you have to come in. And she's like, it's by the fucking airport. Like, it's far from right. where I live. Yeah, anyway, I I feel like this is something that comes up with a lot of different types of jobs. Yeah, I mean, technically, the day that I worked from home, I got so much done and blazed through. But it wasn't about that. And, like, right, I knew course. that the reality was it's week to week. I could have gotten fired. Like, you know, whatever. So what did they say? So then the next day, I just showed up and started working. And then my boss, who I like, who is a friend, literally mm-hmm. a friend, is she our age? What? What? Uh, we don't. We're not talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But she's somebody that I like. She came in and she's like, "What's going on?" Yeah. And I was. I ate crow and I was like, "I'm sorry. I kind of had a meltdown. I wasn't dealing with the stress well. The neighborhood's fucking stressful, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm. I just sort of just. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm still working on the show. Sure, for the I next understand. Two months, so I, I need to protect myself. Of course. And again, there's no villains in the story. It was just, I was just not managing my stress well. But it's such a stressful environment that she totally understood. It wasn't like, well, that was crazy. It was like, yes, people have meltdowns. It's fine. It was very like understanding and compassionate. Yeah. And she was also just like, this is a job that you need to be at work for. And I was like, I totally understand. And I'm grateful and everything. I think I'm just... How has it been since? Like, what's Fine. the Everyone's every? Free. It's, it's like to back to back to Wendy's where it was. With a lot of people that I work yeah, with. No, Everybody's cool. It's just like, I think I'm just having my own. Um, it's it's like welcome to the real world. Sometimes it's hard to be in such a stressful environment when you also don't feel like it's really connected to like your career journey. So that feels hard to like work so hard and be so stressed about something that's not like part of the path if that makes sense yes and also we we come we're we're in a bit of a privileged place 
in that everybody we know, for the most part, we're all sort of in this bubble of like, we carve out our own path. We're freelancers. We don't take jobs we don't want. Like, Well, I definitely do take jobs. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's what I'm yeah. saying, though, that this there's sort of this like fake consensus that that's like the journey we all need to be on. And it's like, OK, cool. Well, the reality is like just like any career path, sometimes you're going to have to take hits on a, you know, sort of creative fulfillment level, but that doesn't mean you're not going to climb at the next turn. And it's like, we, I think it's, and I've talked to you about this too. I think it's okay to see your career as more of a whole than like a, oh, well, this job is less than this other type of job that I want. Like, it's kind of nice to just be like, right. But when you look back, you're going to have a breadth of work that's like very well-rounded. You've written on a bunch of different right. types of shows. That's true. And it's only going to help you. You're making relationships. You're making yeah. connections. And it's hard to see it like that when you're in it because especially just speaking to any listeners who don't do exactly what we do, which is probably a lot of you, um, but in the writing world, like your writing job is very it's very insular. Like you're with everyone so closely and you're so you almost become more bonded because what you're doing is creative. So like it's almost more intimate because you all have to kind of like collaborate and work together. And so I think it, everything just feels very pressure cooker, almost like on, like your emotions are almost on steroids or something versus like another job where it's like I go to my desk, they go to their desk. We all kind of just like do our own thing next to each other. Like you're actually making a thing with a group. And I think that that I think that compounds the way you're feeling because it's like it's just very intense. I don't think every job is I don't think every field of work has that level of intensity all the time. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you say. And then aside from all that, whether your work is a whole and whether this helps me or not, the truth is. I'm a person that needs a job. Like simple yeah. as that. Like right. Well, simple, that's the th- simple. Like, and like, there's nothing wrong. There's also, I know. There's I no- think it's just tough because I think in this industry, and I think it's a combination of the industry and me. But sometimes when I think I, I think there's, I think sometimes I identify a lot with my job as like sure, this of is course. me. Yes. And this is like yes. my value and this is like that's also, what I'm bringing. That's also like where we live. Like that's what you're told. Like yeah, that your worth so is wrapped up in your job. So if you're working on something that it's not even bad. It's not a bad project. The, the talent is great. A lot of talented people are on it. It's just I don't feel like it reflects me. Yeah. And like my voice and what I have to contribute. And so I think that I have like shame about it. I feel like I'm going to cry. I've had such a hard okay. couple of weeks. I'm really cry sorry. It out. Cry it out. No, I think I just am going through a hard time with this because I like, I just feel like, okay, I'm going to get very real and very negative right now. Okay. No, but it's like, I don't have a husband. I don't have a kid. Like what I have is my career. And so if my career feels like it's not doing well, I literally feel like I have nothing. I understand. I totally get that. So that's really There is dramatic. no shame in that. It's not dramatic. Also, I, I do want to emphasize, and I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm trying to show you that, like, to take a step out of where we live, literally the culture out here is that that is your priority. Yeah. And, like, that's – it's okay to have – It's okay to know about yourself that like we've talked about this before, but like you like stability. I also like stability. We're both expensive people. We like to not feel like we have to save constantly or worry, you know, that sounds scary. Also, like this career, it's like you just never know when you're going to work. So 
I feel like I take the cakes as they pass. Like, yeah, you know. but I don't. I don't think you're particularly op- opportunistic. I think that it's also you're also you're being realistic in taking a job because even if it's not the number one best thing that you could be doing right now, it's not a scripted show, and you know I know that's like a big priority for you. It is a writing job. You're getting paid to write. No, I'm paid well. I and know. you're paid well. Yeah. And no, and I've said this. I know. It sounds I'm insane. I'm also not it lecturing you. So... I'm saying this more for just in general for any listeners who are going through something similar or have a line of work where they're really like striving for something creatively and they're not feeling fulfilled. <laughs> I, do, I think it's tr- it's, no, it's very I'm, relatable. Jamie, I'm laughing because I Googled when to give up on your dreams today. Okay. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> I did it kind of as a joke, but also I was like, this would be a funny thing. That is it. going in a script at yeah some point. i know it has to be anyway um i i was like a carry because i kind of had a little tantrum at work i'm lucky that my boss and my coworkers are compassionate enough not to bust my chops um and i have a very reactive mother and it's not my preferred way of being and behaving so i'm not beating myself up but it is not you know in the future I do want to like take a moment, take a beat. If I'm in a really stressed out mood, don't send an email, don't send a text, mm-hmm. don't call someone, just sleep on it, clear headed, calm, and then make a decision. Yeah. So it's just about being a little slower and not just like jumping the gun as soon as you feel something. You got to meditate, man. I know. I it's literally the result of meditating is being less reactive. It's I the need, number one reason I, I started because I, I have the it. same thing you do where I'm like, I just get fired up and... Well, I it do that. really helps Cal- over time, over time, not immediate. Of course. But after like a month, you'll be like, huh, who are you this week? Um, well, I thought I was one person, but I want to jump off of what you were saying, because I just remembered that I had a very reactive situation. I didn't even tell Skylar about this. And I see Skylar every day. But um, I guess I was I would say I was more of a Miranda in that I feel like there's really no proof of this in any particular episode necessarily but I do feel like Miranda if someone if like a guy was like fresh with Miranda she would be like hey actually she did do it a little bit remember with the guy with hair plugs on that date when she's kind of like I don't need to take advice from someone who's doing crop rotation oh, on his head right. yeah yeah like she kind of like set, she like puts people in if their you place push her, yeah if you push her so anyways I had a bit of a a confrontation um I Parked in this parking lot on Hillhurst, which is a street in um, in our neighborhood, in Rose and I's neighborhood. And um, there's a parking lot between, you know, that uh, liquor store and then All Time. Yeah. So like liquor store on the right. Sorry, liquor store on the left and All Time on the right. Well, that parking lot serves a bunch of businesses right there. Um, And I thought it was for All Time because it's also for Blue Bottle. So I was like, oh, surely this is fine. Like, I didn't even think about it. I just like parked. And also I was going to be there for five seconds. I was literally running in to get an iced coffee and leave. Um, But anyways, park my car. And as I'm walking over to all time, I hear someone shouting obscenities at me being like, fucking bitch, fucking like crazy. So I turn around and this guy was coming out of the liquor store, like kind of chasing after me. And I was like, what's going on? And he was like, you fucking parked in my fucking parking lot. And I was like. Okay, I thought that I was allowed to park oh there and he God. was I was like I'm going to all time and he's like it's just for blue bottle da 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 and da 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 whatever businesses it was and I was like 
okay, my bad. Why are you being so volatile? Yeah. I said that. I was like, why are you being so volatile? Uh-huh. And he's like, because fucking bitches like you, da 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 da, like Whoa, mean, wow. full throttle. That's scary to be yelled scary. at. And he's also like, he works at, He works there. It's not like he's just some like, I don't know, just like some vagabond, like roaming the streets, shouting at people. He was like a professional, quote unquote. So anyways, I was just like, why are, I just, I couldn't let it go. I, and I also had had a hard week and I was just like, what are you doing? Why are you speaking to me like that? And he just kept being so nasty. So I followed him into the liquor. This, this, the conversation like sort of was moving towards the, like back towards the liquor store. So I ended up in the liquor store and, um, Oh my God, Jamie, I'm yeah, actually shocked. Yeah. I was in the liquor store and I was, and I, he, he, at one point, I didn't want to repeat this, but I'm going to just so you guys know that what I do next maybe was a little warranted, even okay. though it definitely was on the crazy side. He called me a quote unquote piece of cunt. Whoa. And I got so enraged that I was holding this big uh, like metal, the water bottle that I carry around all the time, big metal water bottle. Not this one. You'll hear why in a minute, why this is my new water bottle. And I went up to the register and I was like, you know what? And I opened the thing and poured the whole thing out on his counter and dropped it and walked out. And I was like, that was so random. Jamie. It was so random. But I was like, it went through my head pretty quick. I was like, well, you can't assault him. You can't throw anything at him. You can't like I kind of ran through you it poured quickly. water on his cat. On and his then desk? like dropped. Yeah. Like I was like, like such a mild burn. It was. But also so reactive. Though. What else could I do? No, no, it's it's, it's no, it's not. I'm smiling with you. because it's such a it's like psycho. funny. Weird, no, it's weird. Yeah. Because, but the, but the reason is because I couldn't throw it at him. No, I would go to jail. Like okay. you could literally go to yeah. jail for that. 100%. And he can't go to jail for calling me a piece of cunt. Unfortunately, which is also like funny. Yeah, it was I mean, horrifying. But it's also if like yelled at Jesus, you. and it's also that it didn't escalate to that. He started at that. And that was the part where I was like, absolutely not. Does a man, does anyone, but especially like some fucking stranger, some male stranger speak to me like that? Also, Jamie, because I parked in his lot truly innocently and I was like willing to move right away. This wasn't like, yeah, I'm parking there. What are you going to do? It was like, no, oh, I didn't know. And it was just so insane to be spoken to like that. Also, this is at like nine in the morning and it's just like. My day hasn't even started, and and your day also hasn't really started. This is like the first like jaunt of the day, and you're already at a ten. That's great. Like that just you also. I think a piece of me was like, this guy hits his wife. Like there is no way he carries around that hostility towards women, and it doesn't bleed into his personal life. There is just no way. Like he clearly doesn't respect women. So yeah, so it was kind of this weird thing where I was like, I have to do something. I don't want to verbally assault him back because who cares and then I just was like I have to do something and then I so whatever so I did the pour out and then I dropped my water bottle and I wasn't gonna be like excuse me can I have that back (laughs) so I just left it and then I'm like okay joke is on me that water bottle cost like $15 (laughs) and he just got a free water bottle out of the deal so anyways now I'm using this new water bottle (laughs) I love that story but yeah so anyways I felt like Miranda I mean I don't know that I just feel like Miranda, I mean, honestly, any of the girls would have uh, taken a stance, probably Miranda, Samantha. But yeah, I definitely I don't know who I was channeling, but I was channeling something. I was so infuriated. Also, I think that you are Charlie's Theron and Mad Max. It's just like so okay, baller. I haven't seen that, but thank you. Oh, yeah, it's just so badass. Like the fact that somebody was harassing you and you like went followed. into their. I followed him. I love I was like, that. Nobody That's talks so to ballsy. me like that. I love it. I don't know. It also was so, you know, it's one of those things. 
if you've ever, if anyone has ever had, anyone listening has ever had that kind of confrontation where it's like with someone you don't know, so it almost feels less it feels like more inconsequential and you're like, I never have to see this person. It's almost the same thing as like road rage or like being upset at like a customer service rep or something. You're just like, okay, whatever. You're not a real, or even just like an online troll. You're like, whatever. I can tell this person they're fat and disgusting. You know, will I ever have to see them? Like it is kind of in that realm of like anonymity. When it happened, I was so sad and I went into all time eventually and I was like about to cry And actually, this guy behind me, I guess he had had the same experience being yelled at for that parking lot. And the guy behind me was like, man, that guy, that guy was crazy, huh? And I was so annoyed that he saw it and didn't stand up for you. Saw it, didn't stand up for me, but also kind of minimized it like he was crazy. It's like he called uh, that man called me a woman, a piece of cunt. Sorry to say it 10 times when I was like, I'll never say it out loud. I keep, apparently it's, it's like going to be like new my, AI my, AI new, my new stand-up <laughs> album. Jamie Lee is piece of cunt. But no, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I was like so bummed and I just felt really, I felt really like uh, frail and vulnerable. And yeah. And you want to like tell people about it. It just felt like this weird, dirty secret I kind of carried around all day where I was like, oh, I kind of gotten like a serious confrontation with a stranger. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Thank you. It was so weird. And it's also in your neighborhood. You're like, oh, that's the guy who lives at, like who works at the local liquor store bodega is like this disgusting animal. It's horrible. It was terrible. Anyway. So that's that. <laughs> so everything's just and what is this podcast about again? Ten. What are we? Rage. What is it? This is the ra- yeah. This is the rage, rage in the city. Female rage in the city. Okay, well, guys, um, for anyone you know tuning in for the first time, welcome, hello, new listener. Uh, this is a Sex in the City podcast. We analyze episodes of Sex in the City, and uh, yeah, we are gonna do that today. Believe it or not, that is still on the agenda. So today we are analyzing season three, episode fourteen, "Sex and Another City." Oh, this is the is the second LA episode. This city, yeah, it's the second LA. Yeah. Okay, I got a. We haven't recorded in a minute, so I was like, "Are we still in LA?" Yeah, they're We're still, still in LA. In LA. It is kind of weird in this episode because the timeline is is. It's another one where the timeline's confusing. It's like they're everybody is still in LA, so it's almost like a week two ish week yeah. trip. But initially, Carrie was taken out there by the production company, right. so they've just but like, then they've extended. I guess they're just yeah. kind of on vacay now. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Okay. It's vacay mode. Okay. Well, let's get into sex and another city. Rose, take it away. So things open up with Carrie prepping to sunbathe with a relaxing bikini wax because, reminder, she, Miranda, and Samantha are still in L.A. The vaguely European woman doing the waxing, however, is not chill. She gives Carrie a full Brazilian, which is fully more than Carrie wanted. Miranda heads to lunch with Lou, a writer she knows from New York. Only when she knew him, he was overweight and bitter. So who's this slim, happy guy in Lou cosplay? Miranda? Do I look that different? Well, let's just say it's a good thing you still wear that hat. Oh, please. If you ever see me in a Lakers hat. I know. Shoot you. Exactly. (laughs) You look amazing. Thanks. Want to grab a drink? Oh, please. Yes, let's go. The sight of all these bleached teeth is blinding. No, I mean, grab something here. This place is known for its green tea infusions. Please, infusions? Could LA be any worse? Take off that hat. I'm going to shoot you right now. (laughs) 
Actually, I really like it here. Hang on, what happened to the guy I used to share beers with and make fun of happy people? I know, I know. The thing is, I think I'm one of those happy people now. Wow. I mean, good for you. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I think I was just supremely unhappy in New York. I mean, I came out here and I let a lot of that old toxic anger go. I take things slowly, get outside. <laughs> Ellie agrees with me. Miranda realized she was the one standing out in that room. She was the only angry New Yorker for miles. Hey, let's go for a hike. Oh my God. It's too, it's funny because it's like, it's sickeningly so true. true. It is so true. And this is 20 years ago. 20 years ago. It's still right on. And also the button of that scene being, let's take a hike. I mean, if you don't live in LA, uh, just letting you know that that is 100% what everyone does all the time. It's a lot of hiking. You also hiking, I think in New York, brunch is very common. Yes. Big brunch culture. Not just not just on Sundays. Almost all through the week they have brunch menus. Um, yeah. And here Hiking is the brunch. Hiking of, is the brunch of LA. It's right. where you it's what you do to catch up with your friends. Yeah. Which I actually prefer. Yeah, it's nice. It yeah. is nice. I, I, like don't, I don't know that out. I prefer it, but I I I get it. I get why it's a thing. I'm into it. But yeah. um have you ever had a friend move away and become a completely different person? Uh, no. Well, I guess no. I mean, in terms of, oh, well, yeah. Actually, one friend, because she moved, she met a guy. She, when she went to a wedding in Romania, American person, friend from America, um, went to a wedding in Romania, met a dude there who's from London, and then ended up moving to London with him and got married and like fully uprooted her American life. And now wow. just like she's just the most European Does person she have I British know. a British accent now? A, probably a little bit. Wow. Yeah, just a little. Like not not a. I was kidding. Yeah, no, but she does. I, I think that if you live there long enough, you don't have an accent necessarily, but like your pacing of your words that changes. You use quite more. That's cute. I like you that. You know, I love that. Little little tweaks. I like that. But um, but she, yeah, I mean, she went from being like a uh, well, this was when I was in New York. She was just like a New York comedian, and now she just is. F I don't. She never is here. I I at least she doesn't visit L.A. And oh, I don't, is this Beth? Yeah, Beth. Right. I thought it was a Greek guy or something. He, he is Greek. Right. So that's the other part of it is that when she does vacation, it's in Greece. So she's just always in Europe. Sounds so fun. I know. It's kind of <laughs> fabulous. Um, Did you feel like you changed at all or in any significant way when you like coming from New York to L.A.? Has it changed you in any way? Uh, well, blonder? two things. Mm, no, I think I was blonder in New York, actually. No, I think the two things that changed were I appreciate New York much more now that I don't live there. When I go back there, I love it. And when oh, I cool. lived there, I was just living there. I was like in my apartment a lot or I was doing stand up. It wasn't like I was like, you know, hitting up the Guggenheim every free chance I get. Like I wasn't really taking advantage of the city's cultural perks you know I was just kind of like a resident and now when I go back I'm like going to fabulous restaurants all the time and like really packing my schedule with like interesting things to do and I'll go see a play and I just like take advantage of New York more now when I visit so that's probably the biggest change is that moving to LA has made me appreciate New York um and then I think it has I think it's affected my comedy negatively oh because you're not getting yeah. up as much yeah I don't think I I think it's I think my yeah, I think I, better for your TV and film career, maybe worse for your stand up. 
Yes, I would say so. Does that make sense? I don't feel motivated to do stand-up out here. I do stand-up, but it takes me being like, you got to do stand-up. Whereas in New York, I'm like, I'm not doing stand-up tonight. What's wrong with me? Hmm. It's very different. And that I really... Is do you a, think that's it's just motivating to get out of the house? Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, exactly. I'm just... I'm comfier. But... In the case of Lou, bringing it back to the episode, he's a TV writer. Of course he should be here. If you're a TV writer, you make Boku bucks and you, and you buy a house and to- you live it up and you have fabulous friends and you just, that's it. And you're just yeah. like, you go from show to show to show and you just fucking rake in the dough and like live a great life. But that's a very specific path. LA experience, yeah. Yes. And I'm not that there aren't writers in New York, but I think that the- Very few. Yeah, very few. There's just less opportunities. There's just less opportunities in the writing. You know, the writers that I know who are like really just TV writers, like TV writers and producers, it's like it's a very specific track. And it's something that I think only L.A. can really provide. A hundred percent. I mean, in terms of the jobs available. And even just in terms of financials, like you can't do that in London. Like in London, they don't have a writer's guild. You can't. I don't think you can do it in New York unless no, no. you happen to be on. At least there's a writer's guild in America. Yeah. I'm saying that you there aren't really, you kind of have to be in New York or L.A., most likely L.A., because if you were to try and do it anywhere or move international, like you, they just don't have, they're, they're, you're not, you won't make the same money in Specifically the UK. I know a few writers rooms that are in the UK. You won't make the same money or you make the same money if it's a if it's an American show. But if you were to work on a British show, you would not make the same money. I think that I have definitely changed since moving back to L.A. Yeah, because you grew up here. I grew up here. But and then you moved to New L.A. York. Oh, sorry, you moved to New How long were you in New York? Seven years. Seven years. OK. And, and that's where we met originally. Yes. And yes. since I've been back. There have been some good changes. I love being outside. I love nature. I do love hiking. I do a lot of the stereotypes that Lou does. I drink green tea. I don't drink very much. I don't drink a lot of alcohol. You also can't drink as much here because you have to drive. No, you can use Lyft. I guess you can Uber. I still think it's a little in the air that like this is a driving culture. Mm, I don't know. And also bars close earlier here. I just think people just don't. I mean, people party hard in New York. But I think that's because you walk. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, I think but, it's because you walk and but it's like a late city. But for me, that's not a bad thing. I'm not a big partier, so yeah. I don't This I don't is a morning that. town. Skylar and I were just talking about this. This is a morning town. That's more me, so that's fine. Yeah. But um, the things that are not as good for me is I think I have become a little more of a basic B. Like, in New York, I saw a lot of really cool art films all the time because there's a lot of really great movie theaters. It's constant. Yeah. And yeah. here I like watch The Bachelor. And yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Stuff that I, more basic shit. Well, that it's I, more like suburban. Yeah, here. kind of. It is. It's more like. But I think it's healthier. I think mm, that like. You feel healthier here than when you're in New York? Mm, actually, maybe it's hard to say. No, maybe not healthier, but. I'm more outdoors here, which I like. Okay, which also probably it's like mentally healthier. Probably, it's yeah. Like I a did nice walk reset. a lot and do yoga in New York. I, I when people say they feel healthier in LA, I'm like, you are not 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 what you're saying. Not that there aren't great things about being outdoors and stuff. But when people talk about just like health, health, I don't think people here are healthier. I think that people here are more sedentary. So to make up for that, they eat less. They're obsessed with juicing. Everything is like trying to lower your calories here because you are sitting so much. 
And I think in New York, people are like, it's fabulous. Enjoy your wine. Enjoy your food. Go out. Have it. Because it's like, yeah, because you fucking walk like 30,000 steps a day. Yeah. So there I think that I think New York is more like Europe in that way where it's yes. like you can live your life. You don't have to obsess about your body or your weight or all these things because you're just moving. So that's, that's for sure. That's my feeling. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up, and listening through your app. So, should we jump so, in? Oh, yes. So that night, Samantha and Carrie try throwing Carrie's press pass around to get into an after party, but security is not impressed and basically tells her to get lost. She and Samantha are just about to when Keith, a talent manager played by Vince Vaughn, hilarious, so funny, stumbles out and hits on Carrie. He gets both of them into the party after all. When Samantha scans the party, she has the celebrity sighting she'd always dreamed of. Oh. Hugh Hefner. Sam has to talk to him, and Hugh invites her right in. Meanwhile, Carrie sets a date with Keith. And Charlotte's struggling yet again with Trey. The man cannot get hard, and weeks into their marriage, they aren't fixing it. She pushes him to try Viagra, but it's a no-go. Trey's family has a history of heart problems, and the little blue pill could mean trouble. Samantha spends her L.A. free time shopping, and she even manages to land some good deals. A guy with a trunk full of knockoff handbags stops her, and she can't resist. Interesting, because they literally have Canal Street. Like, is that different? I don't get it. What's the big... Absolutely don't get it. There's so many knockoffs in New York. It's so weird that they didn't even explore that in New York. That's such a good point. If that's something you like, New York has it in space. It's it's famous for it. It also happens in West Hollywood, which is so confusing, because, like, we have the fashion district, which is where that would happen. Totally. That's a great... Great point. It's very confusing geography-wise. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. Yeah. It must have happened yeah. to someone. <laughs> it everybody must have loves, happened to someone. Everybody loves my stupid LA points. Yeah. No, <laughs> it must have happened to someone on the show. Yeah, it's fine. A but trunk just full of bags you wanna, feels, yeah, yes, feels too specific. Yes, but if you want a knockoff bag, you don't need to, to leave Street. New York. Yeah. Right. So anyway, frustrated by her marriage, Charlotte decides she should try and get away for a bit. So she shows up at Carrie's hotel room, ready for a little vacay from Trey. Carrie's on her way out to her date with Keith, which involves a tour of a mansion he's interested in, and a fun makeout. The core four have their first L.A. lunch together before Samantha and Carrie head into the valley. They want to check out more of the trunk guy's bags. But when they get barked at by some very intense guard dogs, Carrie decides it's not worth the trouble. They just look so sad staring up at me from that trunk. They were waiting for some nice lady to adopt them. I was almost eaten by dogs. The least you could have done was buy a bag. Well, I guess I'd rather wait for the real thing. Then at least you know it's it's one of a kind and special or something. My marriage is a fake Fendi. Excuse me? Trey and I look like the perfect couple from the outside, but on the inside, it's all fake. It's not special. He can't even get it up. What? never had sex. You've never had sex? But you've been married for over a month. You've never had sex? It's not a physical thing. It's emotional. 
You knew about this? She told me at the wedding. Well, I was afraid you'd just say you told me so and then I should never have gotten married so quickly. Charlotte, who am I to judge you? We all have our own paths in life. Apparently, oh three God. days with Lou had changed Miranda from deeply sarcastic to Deepak Chopra. What am I gonna do? Wait, you've never had sex? She's never had sex. It's only been a month. Hey, he hasn't seen Brazil. <gasps> a second honeymoon to South America. That might do the trick. This is a... First of all, I have to say I'm really happy the girls are all back together. I don't like it when it's just three of them. I know. Same. I'm really happy that she came. I know. I know. It's really sweet. What do you think about Charlotte dropping that news? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's still a little unclear. And I think I'm going to feel this way, unfortunately, for the whole tray of it all throughout his whole arc on the series or in the series. Um... I just don't fully understand what's going on with him. Um, it's a little unclear. And I've watched this show a bunch, and I I always kind of, it's still a little murky. It's like, you know, they say that it's emotional. He can't get it up. It's like, well, what is the emotion? What's going on? He doesn't want to take Viagra. I just, it, it's just, and maybe this also might be my own ignorance, but I don't know enough about like, I want to know sort of what this is based on. Like, if the, again, if this is based on something that actually happened to someone either who wrote on the show or, or they knew someone who was going through it. Because I just don't. It's either very nuanced and it's over my head or it's very, very broad and undefined. And I, I don't know. I actually don't know. I'm a little confused by it. Where are you at with it? Well, as far as Trey, I don't know what's going on, but I think it's a huge step that Charlotte is talking about it. Sure. Because this is something that it's like the first step to healing is like facing it. Absolutely. Not being in denial. So Absolutely. I'm very proud of her in this episode because she's sort of like it's a big deal for her. It's somebody who like has lived is sort of lives in a fantasy being like my fantasy isn't real. Yeah. And it also this is sort of the beginning of Charlotte like kind of taking her power back, which is also very fun to watch, not just in this episode, but in the next few episodes. It's like kind of it's enjoyable because she's been so focused on like, you know, how her how her relationship appears. Um, But yeah, every time. Yeah, just to go back to it, like I I just I don't I'm sure actually, Skylar, I'm going to put this one to you. What, What do you think of Trey's problem like do you feel are you feeling the way I'm feeling or am I like reading too much into it no I'm completely on your side I think that it I think that it's very much sort of written on the fly and not written by not from the perspective of somebody who has experience with what Trey is dealing with yeah Uh, because I mean we even talked about in the last I believe it was the last episode of the episode before with the whole reveal that he has ED. He'd also gotten a hand job from Charlotte beforehand. This so is it's what like I'm saying I'm like, what is happening? It feels very like easy to poke holes in it because I just don't think it's that. I don't think it was you just plotted don't think out. In it was plotted out. Yeah, I think they're kind of on the it's fly. It's frustrating with, yeah. because it's such a big deal, and I think that if they just were like, if they almost shied away from going to in the in. If, if shied away from going too into the weeds with it, I almost would be okay with it more. But because they do keep going back to like, 
specifics of their sex life and specifics of their problems. And, oh, well, they surmounted this obstacle this week. But, oh, no, there was a setback in this other way. I'm too involved to not be involved, but I am not getting answers. I really want to understand what the fuck is up with Trey. I think that's also clapping. What is going on? I think that also really surfaces in the writing, too, though, because Charlotte gets the opportunity to ask him straight out, like what's going on with him every now and again. And all that he all the writing for him is him dodging and him like there's that uh, arc where he is like working on the spreadsheet, basically, instead of having sex with her. And she's like wearing laundry and like kisses his neck. And it's just like it's all to get it off the subject of like why he won't actually have sex with her. And yeah, I need, I it's need, very, very strange. I, I need, Rose, I need us to like write some kind of like fanfic or something about so Trey's funny. sexual dysfunctions. It's interesting hearing you guys talk about it because what I'm thinking as I'm hearing that is like this show, like in real life, sometimes you don't get answers and you don't get closure and the closure and the answer is the behavior. Like maybe it doesn't even matter exactly what's going on with Trey. Mm -hmm. The point is that when there is a problem, he shuts down, doesn't share and doesn't work on it. Totally. So as much as it is very interesting and I don't know what is the bottom of it, the closure is the fact that it's a go nowhere topic. But I think this is a really interesting topic of, of people being real with what's, really happening because I think a big part of Charlotte's character is image and totally up with the Joneses and what people think of her. And, and I think it's a huge character moment and a serious moment for her to say, I'm living a lie because that's not something that Charlotte does. Yeah, you're right. That's a really great point. She grows a lot in this show. Yeah, you're right. That is so interesting. And she also goes back to being very showy. It's not like, oh, well, you know, huge turn. And now she's on the other side of it. It's like, no, she slides back. Takes a while. Yeah. But you're right. This is kind of the first time she's kind of broken the act of being like, oh, yeah, things are great. And I'm married and he's wonderful and he's rich and he's a doctor. And yeah, yeah. I'm proud of her. Um. Yeah, I mean, she did have the prenup situation, which I felt like was kind of her first, you know, first brush with like, so I'm feeling, I'm seeing some cracks in the molding and it doesn't feel great. But this is like the first time she's ever just been like, I up and left New York because I need a vacation from my own husband. And I also think that like all of us, no matter what it is, like we have these ideas of how things should be and how we need to act. God, it's so true. And it can be really embarrassing and painful and like illusion shattering to have to tell people actually I was wrong actually I don't know what I'm doing that's very hard to do yeah especially in Charlotte's case of like her number one goal was marriage like it was all she wanted she wanted the label more the than word she wanted it's so important yeah she loves perfection she also just loves status and yeah, it's interesting that she says, like, my relationship's a fake Fendi, but that's exactly what it is. It's, yeah, she she wants to be designer that's, and this is knockoff designer. Well, it's just very, it's a big deal. And another thing that's interesting about this scene that is hard for me to relate to is Carrie clearly knew about what happened. And you go, oh, yeah, we talked about it at the wedding. And the girls don't care. They're not ruffled. If I was in a force oh of God, friends so right. and somebody said, oh, I yes, already knew that. Yes. And I knew that two people were closer. Oh, that would really hurt my feelings. That is such an excellent, excellent observation. That is so true. You'd be like, what the fuck? Also, you discussed it at the wedding. 
like on this big special day, like you confided in Carrie and not us. Like, yeah, it's they did not care. You're so right. But you know what? That's part of the fantasy of the show, because out of these four girls, Carrie is everyone's best yeah. friend. Yes, we've talked so about she's this. She's number the anchor. One. She's the anchor. Right. But everyone prefers her to everyone else. Oh, yeah. So she gets the news first. She's the one. And nobody cares. That's probably the least realistic thing of this whole show. Oh my is God, that so four true. girls would be friends and nobody would ever mind that two people are closer. That is, of course, uh, you would mind. I, that's a really, really top notch observation. I totally, totally agree. No one's bothered by it. No, somebody would be one out of four. Yeah, I mean, if this were real life, like right? one person would drop off at this point. Like or Charlotte just, probably wouldn't even. She'd probably just fall away. It's well, just the natural. So she's, you know, let's just shed Charlotte. Well, in the clip, it, it gets dropped. But I think that Samantha is the one that says you knew right after Carrie has her line about knowing. So there is like at least That's a mild. Mod- I know. I, I know. But it is like at least a yeah, moderate. You're right. There was like a little of, bit of an acknowledgement. But it's mild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. No, agreed. Agreed. Uh, another thing that I thought was coming. I we've watched this episode. Well, I watched this episode a little while ago. So mm-hmm. I forgot exactly the conversation. But I'm also kind of surprised that nobody busted Carrie like you knew on your wet on her wedding and you didn't tell her not to marry him. I'm kind of surprised Samantha said didn't say you found out before they got married and you let the marriage happen. Not that it's Carrie's responsibility to stop it, but no, Carrie, I, I will say Carrie with that. She was caught. What she was, was she caught, supposed to do? Yeah. What was she supposed to do? Because for I mean that. Yeah, because if I were in that situation, you know, Carrie says the line of like, I had to tell a little, she was in a white dress. So I had to tell a little white lie. It's like, what else are you going to do? Also, maybe she, maybe he would have gotten over yeah, she it. Doesn't maybe, know. who knows? Maybe he could overcome it. No one knows. Yeah, that's true. And at also that point, at that juncture. Yeah. Like even, and, and unless someone's being physically battered, I mean, it's, it's so you, you can't tell somebody not you to hear marry it somebody all the time. It's so hard to tell people I don't like your boyfriend. I don't like your husband because it's like, you well, can't. Then what if they stay with them and then you lose that person because you weren't supportive or whatever? It's like, yeah, it's so hard. It's so, so hard. Um, OK, well. Let's so get then, back into it. Samantha convinces everyone to go to a party at the Playboy Mansion, courtesy of her new buddy, Hugh Hefner. Carrie heads to another date with Keith, which they spend making out in the hot tub at his place. And Miranda has another hang with Lou, this time for steak. She's having a good time and loving the food until she sees what Lou does with his. Apparently, Lou's new physique isn't due to L.A.'s good vibes. He's developed an eating disorder, and Miranda has to suffer through him chewing his steak before spitting it out into a napkin. They are done. It's not PC, but that was such a funny scene. It's so funny. Well, the way he does it, whoever that actor was, he did a great job when he, oh God, I mean, again, this is not a visual medium, but he kind of does this thing where he's like, he counts how many times he chews and then spits. So he's kind of like, one, two, three, four, spit. And it's like, it's just very funny. I thought it was hilarious. He also looks kind of happy while he's doing it. He's like, hmm, 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 hmm. Hmm. spit and it's it's like my fa- it's such a funny acting choice it's also funny that he just does it 
as if that's totally normal. There's no like, by the way, oh, I'm yeah. going to do this really no, weird no, thing. No, no, no. He makes it seem like every one of his like friends does that. Yeah, they're yeah. like, we do this in the writer's room. This is how we all stay skinny while we write. Building it out, like building the joke logic of it out. He has like a little spit bucket. Yeah, like, it's exactly. Like, it's like, this is what we do in yeah, LA. This is what Everybody, we, do. we have a fun little chewing ritual. Yeah. And then... It was just oh my God, such like a funny choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's wild. so funny. Yeah, so funny. So the next morning, Carrie and Keith are rudely woken up by the real Carrie Fisher. She barges in on their love nest, which it turns out is actually her love nest. Keith's no talent manager. He's Carrie Fisher's assistant. He's been using her place to see Carrie Bradshaw while she's been away. Keith is very fired, and he and Carrie are done. Wait, before we go on, I just realized something. Mm. This is very clever. Mm. Charlotte comes because her whole relationship is a lie. This whole episode is about people who are lying, lying and pretending. Yeah. I mean, maybe you guys already got that, but I it's been a while since I've watched it. So I'm like, oh, that's about things not being what they seem. Yeah. It's cool when Lou, every single Lou's yeah. a liar. This and guy. That, yeah, this guy's a liar. And then the well, Fendi, the fake Fendi bags. Fake Fendi. That's yeah. what I'm yeah. saying. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of it's so not true. So, right? And it's about LA. It's, yeah. The fake. city is supposed to be it's all, it's kind of clever. Yeah. Very clever. Vanity exteriors, yeah. Later the core four make their way to the Playboy party. Miranda's back to bitter, but Samantha and Charlotte are riding high. Charlotte even has a good talk with an older guy. Meanwhile, somewhere between the Italian grotto and the petting zoo, Charlotte found something real. His name was Ian. And that's when I started collecting Hockney. <gasps> I love Hockney. Oh, the colors in his pool series are so L.A., the blues and those deep, deep greens. Oh, God, it is such a pleasure talking to an intelligent woman for once. <laughs> <laughs> and I love talking to you, too. It's so nice to be with a man who talks. <laughs> I love L.A. <laughs> I guess that uh, third welcome wagon drink is finally <laughs> <laughs> This is bad of me. Is this bad of me? I mean, I'm drunk and I I'm laying here with a man I hardly know. It's the Playboy Mansion. I mean, things could be a lot worse. <laughs> you're nice, Ian. You're, you're really, really nice. And you're nice too, Charlotte. Hey, let me buy you some boobs. <laughs> Pardon me? What? It's a gift. I don't need any breasts. Charlotte had forgotten how awful single life could be. And suddenly marriage, with all its problems, wasn't looking so bad. Hmm. Let me buy you some boobs. Yeah. Oh That's my the God. worst neg I've ever heard. Yeah, it's rough. the best. Really rough. But it's also so funny when... Charlotte's like, I love the Hockney, the pool series with the greens and the blues. And then he's like, God, Charlotte, it's so nice to talk to an intelligent woman. It's like she sounds like a five-year-old, like the greens and the blues. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, wait, how is that a brilliant observation of Hockney? It was really, I love that part. I love that like this is considered glamorous where everything I've ever read about the Playboy Mansion was it's like filthy. It's filthy. And this- filthy carpet is stained and no, it's disgusting. No, it, it's not kept well. That's no. what I've heard. Yeah, no, it's supposed to it's supposed to be rough. Apparently the White House is like that too. Oh, how gross. Yeah, I heard it's like very 70s and like not beautiful Wait, inside. that's so funny. Yeah, Nick Kroll had a bit about it where he was like, I went and uh, it's, it's not great. Oh my God, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's really funny. What do you think this about this conversation with... Uh, Let um, me buy you some boobs. Or the whole thing, like her flirting with him and... Enjoying herself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. Totally. I totally get of it. Of course. Yeah. Also, she hasn't done anything wrong. No, she hasn't done anything wrong. 
Yeah, I'm proud of her. I mean, I I think it's I could see Charlotte easily being like, I'm not going to go. It's not right. I'm married. I'm a married woman. I can't. I can't. And then she's like, no, I'll go to the Playboy Mansion. And she isn't she wearing I can't remember, but isn't she wearing like a really fun like top with like cherries on it? Like she looks really. I think she is. She's wearing like a really like fun, sexy little like, I don't know. I think it's a swimsuit. I think they're all like like, ready to. Yeah, maybe it was a swimsuit. I don't know why I, I imagine it being kind of like a halter top, but. Yeah, it was just very like, I don't know. I was proud of her. She kind of like leaned into her sexuality for the night as opposed to just shutting down and being like, I'm tired. I'm on New York time. Good night. You guys have fun. I'm just like a sad, you know, unfulfilled married person. Like she kind of lived it up. So I, do you I'm feel good like, on Charlotte for that. Do you feel like if he did not say that boobs thing that she would have like made out with him or had sex with him? Did you feel like that's where that was going? I think she would have made out with him and she would have stopped herself. That's what I think would have happened because she's horny. What do you think, Sky? No, I agree. I mean, he 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 shot his makeout right in the face. He he really had the opportunity for some Playboy Mansion makeouts, and then he offered it boobs, and I wonder shut it down. I mean, it's definitely just a funny writing choice to say the sentence, "Let me buy you some boobs," but that's part of LA that I luckily I know it exists, but I have not really experienced it firsthand we live on i mean la is a very big city we live on the east side we've heard that i think that is more like west side behavior that's definitely like sort of an echelon of of people that i don't really talk to like i haven't really interacted with just like the plastic surgery sort of like beverly hills stereotype person um but i'm sure that exists and it's horrifying. Yeah, you know what's so funny is it's such a funny line and it's so sounds so wild. But I mean, if you were if he's a plastic he might be were, a plastic surgeon. I don't know that, what they said he were, did for work. Yeah, and if you were at the Playboy Mansion exactly. flirting with a rich guy, he might think that that's something that you wanted. Yeah. He might think that that was like a slam dunk. Yeah. Like Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah, because it kind of that's a good point because it's kind of sets up like a sugar daddy relationship. Yeah, it's like let me buy you whatever you want. This very expensive gift to like enhance you, but also you want to be enhanced because you want to like fulfill me as well, which I think is a very sort of common dynamic with the Playboy Mansion. Is kind of like you know rich dude with like a hot side piece. Yeah, 100%. so yeah, he was kind of like, oh, let me like shape you, like you could be one of them. Ew, it's so gross. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyways. So the party ends for the core four with Samantha getting them kicked out. After someone steals her fake bag, she half assaults the woman she thinks took it, but she didn't take it. And Samantha's antics are enough for Hugh to pull the plug on her whole night. Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, and Charlotte decide it's time to get back to New York. And the episode closes with Carrie triumphantly returning to her apartment. And this brings us to the question of the episode. That night, after hours of stress-free pool time, I realized something startling. I was actually starting to like L.A. New Yorkers are trained to hate Los Angeles. This supposedly is a place where intellect is ridiculed and who you date and what you look like is revered. Yet here we were having the time of our lives. The men were happy, the homes were huge, the bags looked great, and maybe that was enough. The weather moves from west to east. Was it just a matter of time before the truth blew across Manhattan? When it comes to bags, men, and cities, is it really what's outside that counts? This is a really interesting question because, yes, I understand that that is maybe 
a sort of stereotype of like LA versus New York and New Yorkers hate LA and all this stuff, which I don't think is true. I think a lot of New Yorkers are like, fuck, I need to move to LA. Like every time they visit, they're like, it's great here. Um, But it is interesting that Carrie is posing this question as someone who is so focused on those labels and brands and, you know, having designer everything. She's that person in New York, too. That's not really L.A. specific. So I found it interesting that she's kind of posing this question after coming to L.A. because it's like you're all about the party scene and even dating big is like, ooh, I'm dating this like very rich, sort of powerful tycoon type. You know, it's like you don't have to go to L.A. to like be superficial, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think it's interesting that New York doesn't get the same reputation that L.A. does, but New York is just as guilty. I completely agree, and I think that's really smart. And when we were listening to the clip, I was thinking when she was doing the L.A. versus New York thing, I was like, if you really want to compare L.A. to something, compare it to like Denver or like totally Marin County or something where it's like the values are very, very different. Yes. Some really outdoorsy place, you know. Or whatever, a different kind of place. But L.A., I completely agree with you. I think L.A. and New York, yeah, it's not like, God, I can't wait to get get over all this image culture. I'm going to go back to New York. Are you kidding? I feel so much more threatened when I'm in New York because everyone there has – it. Every, first of all, everyone's outside. So you're just like around people all the time. And there's so many people who are so much wealthier than you have such like fabulous clothes and bags and like – you're walk even just walking on the street. It's like, oh, I just passed Gucci on foot. I just passed Sel- Stella McCartney on foot. Like the aesthetic is just everywhere. And like it's so in your face. And I just I think it's yeah, I don't think New York is fooling anyone. I don't think it's like not. I think it's just as image obsessed. Yes, I completely agree. That being said, caveat asterisk. I do think with all of that being said and true and I agree with. I do think New York is more intellectual, yes, cultured, definitely. and highbrow. Definitely. Um, and I think that the image that is more important there is one of being cultured, educated, highbrow, well-read, you know, well-traveled. And so even though image is important on both, and there's plenty of plastic surgery, skinny diets, eating disorders in New York, but- I do think that the value of even the judgment is cooler in New York still. Yes. And I think that makes sense. It does. I think that New York, I think what New York has over L.A. is New York thinking L.A. is better. I mean, New York thinking New York is more sophisticated than L.A. And it is. And it is. But it's also because that's the mentality there. Like they are feeding that as their mentality. But I also think. And by the way, I'm I'm New York ride or die. Like I prefer New York tremendously. But. It is because the, they're feeding into their own hype in that way. Like, it's it's not because, like, like it's not like it happened to the city. It's because that is, like, the mentality that's being bred there, I think. That, well, that it's, like, it's just, it also, there is more culture there. It's just that's true. What I it think is the it epicenter is. of everything. That's what Fashion I think Week it is. is there. All the museums are there. It Broadway is there. Like, there are just things there that they just don't have here. Yeah, and as a writer, it's, like, the New Yorker is there. The best uh, newspaper in the country exactly. is there. It, the publishing is there. The Algonquin Table is there. So mm-hmm. it's not just that they're up their own asses. It truly 
is more sophisticated. Yeah, it's also older. Yeah, it's also, like it's, it's it was, been around. It's well, like it's, a, it's just more. There's there's just the roots there have grown a lot deeper. It's the cultural capital of our country. Yeah, it and, is. Kind and, of of the world, even. Yeah, it's probably. one of them. It's one of them. Yeah, but as far as. It, is it really what's on the outside that counts? It's such a broad question. I don't even know how to answer it. What is she really asking? Is L.A. better than New York? What's the real question here? Mm, I think she's just talking about appearances and she's basically just saying, I mean, at least my interpretation is like L.A. has made her think that like all the things you're told that you're not supposed to be proud of, maybe as a New Yorker or maybe just in general, like maybe you should value them. Like which things? And what she says in the question, which is like bags and right status and that stuff who you is, hang out with, who you yeah. have lunch with. Yeah, that I stuff think. is deeply depressing. If that is it is depressing. I mean, it's very lonely if you're just hanging out with people to get something or if you're just wearing something to fit in. So in that sense, whether you're in New York, L.A. or wherever, I think that's a lonely way to live. Yeah, 100 percent. And I th- I do think that you can hide from it more in New York. I do- it's not as flamboyant. It's not as in your face. And also out in L.A., you're so much more isolated. Like you're more even just the way we live. It's like we're all in houses here. Or we're like in apartments like in New York. You walk outside and you're like confronted with a bunch of people. Luckily, in our neighborhood, we get to see a lot of people, too. But there it's just like you're amidst so many strangers and you can kind of feel anonymous even if you run into people you know and here I feel like it, your your hangouts and your socializing is a lot more deliberate it's all like very plans based yeah and um yeah and I think it can feel it can feel a little more isolated out here I think I think people feel a little lonelier here than in New York oh for sure yeah are you only in LA because of job opportunities yes right of course 100 percent. right 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 yeah yeah otherwise same well, also now it's like a little murky because it's like, well, a lot of friends have moved here. So I'm like, oh, well, I'd probably be out here anyway to like see people. But I don't. Yeah, no, it's if there 100%. was no TV here, I would not be here. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I mean, the weather's great, but come on. This yeah, place is a shithole. <laughs> so Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we're horny for. Jamie, what are you horny for? I am horny for um, the show on HBO called Sally Forever. It's a British series um, starring Julia Davis. And she's very funny, brilliant writer, actor, creator. And she has this really crazy, dark comedy series um, that I believe is on the BBC and then it was acquired by HBO. I'm Don't quote me on that, but I think that's how it is. Um, yeah, and it's on HBO and it's just fucking crazy and so, so funny. And I also, on this podcast, recommended uh, Julia Davis's podcast that she does called Dear, Do- Dear Joan and Jerrica. And uh, if you have listened to that, if you took that recommendation and you're obsessed with that podcast the way I am, you will really love this show because the same type of sort of improvisational humor is very much represented in this show as well. And um, even the woman who plays either Jerrica or Joan, I forget which one plays which, but she's in the show. So you get like their dynamic on screen that you hear on the podcast and um, it's very satisfying. Very, very funny show. I can't wait to watch it. You have to watch it. It's fucking nuts. It gets really crazy. It gets dark. Really dark. The Brits just go the distance. We're very timid when we're writing. Every PC police is a real thing. I mean, they, they make AIDS jokes like it's 
like it's the big bang theory like they don't blink an eye they're just like yeah whatever they make rape jokes they make they make all the jokes i'm not even saying sounds what, funny not even saying like what sounds funny <laughs> well i like when people are just like fuck it well i guess what i'm saying is i'm not obviously there are reasons that pc culture is in place but when every every possible thing is that is limits. offensive is off limits it's very neutralizing yeah. it's an equalizer yeah and it's kind of refreshing to watch because you're like as fucked up as this is like it's just nice to watch someone be unapologetic in their darkness and humor well the venn diagram of things that jamie recommends and things that i love is a perfect circle oh. everything you ever have recommended i have loved oh wow okay great so i know i mean truly as soon as you started talking about it i was like can't wait to watch oh good okay good um this is a very uh hbo centric horny for because mm. my horny for is whitmer thomas's comedy oh, special watch it the golden one I heard it's fabulous it is so beautiful it's barely <clears throat> Barely funny. Oh, but I think I don't think I'm insulting it. It's you're not. He's so funny. It doesn't he whatever he does is going to be great. He's great. Yeah. But I guess what I mean is it's more like a really beautiful indie film than it is a comedy special. Wow. I mean, he's insanely talented. Yeah, he's definitely like a one in a million shining star. Wow. And if you like movies like Tarnation or. Yeah, it's 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 just like it's like an experimental art film. Really? It's so beautiful and good. Mm. Um and and any artist out there in any medium or even if you're not an artist and you just appreciate really beautiful honest work. I mean, it's just a slam Ugh, dunk. Can't wait. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to watch that. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is our episode. Thank you guys so much. See you soon. Toodaloo. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.